I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Paul Field. Evening, fellas. And Tony Black. Hello, everyone. As we take on a triple bill this week of our favourite post-1980s British comedies. Actually, it's not strictly speaking favourite. It's just British comedies post-1980s. We might have had our own specific reason for picking them. Um, we've got what we've been watching, where Tony will be reviewing the new release, Mindhorn, and we've got all the usual bits and pieces as well. So we'll start off with the quiz, as we always do, and Owen lost last week and had to watch what a few places on the internet told me was the worst Netflix original movie, but that may well not have been the actual case. Definitely wasn't, no. I watched a film that was called The Most Hated Woman in America, uh, which came out in March this year, which is a biopic, a biography drama of someone called Madeline Murray O'Hare. She was a, the founder of American Atheists, which was an organisation who uh, effectively formed when this this woman, this Murray, uh, Madeline Murray, uh, she was against the fact that her son, who who was an atheist, had to do prayer in school. And so she got outraged by this and decided to set up her own organisation. And it to, to label it the worst film on that Netflix have created is just absurd. Because, I mean, for, for a start, I watched that fucking oh, Ridiculous Six the Adam Sandler Western that came out, that was appalling. That was a terrible film. Not just, oh, it's not very funny. It Just everything about that was awful. It was such a waste of money. Whereas this is just like a middling little indie-ish uh, drama about a woman uh, who... I mean, the only reason that this film could possibly, possibly be at the bottom of uh, this list that you found, Steve, was purely based on the fact it's about an atheist. That's the only reason I can think that it's garnered so much hate because of its content. She was a very controversial woman. I mean, you see in the film that she started to exploit other atheists. She took loads of money. She buried it in offshore accounts so she didn't have to pay tax on it. Um, You know, somewhere along the way, she lost the the point of the cause and was just a very antagonistic woman um but as a drama it's fine wow. is it is it bad 
that I'm like disappointed when you don't suffer. You know, like, there's, like there's, there's part of me that thinks <laughs> it's a shame it's not worse because yeah. <laughs> I'd have already even, switched off by now. Yeah, I mean, if it was worse, I could have ripped into it a bit. Uh, I could, I don't know, highlighted some of the worst things and made a joke out of it, or even just being angry about something's quite funny, right? But it's just, it's just fine. It's like the kind of things that we would have covered at some point in what we've been watching, maybe, rather than suffered well, through. You can watch Essex Spacebin again next time. Fuck that. Shut up. <laughs> Fuck off. No. So that was Owen? Uh, the Most Hated Woman in America, which is on Netflix, and I'd probably kind of recommend it in a weird sort of way. Oh, good well, that, was a waste of, that was a waste of time, wasn't it? It was a complete waste <laughs> of time. Yeah. Waste of everyone's time and effort and <laughs> three weeks of a quiz or whatever it was. Say. Exactly. Right. You could think the things you could have made me watch, and you chose mm. a kind of average. It's only going to make me more determined. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm still scaring the internet. I am determined to get you back for Essex Space Bin. That's coming. Well, Revenge is coming. You got to win a quiz first, and uh, <laughs> that starts now mm-hmm. with me with me hosting. With it being um, a British comedy triple bill this week, um, although slightly more rules on it than that. I've gone for a quiz based around the archetypal, stereotypical British comedy film series of being Carry On. Oh, might have a chance here, Tony. Uh, <laughs> this yes. is so biased. This is a wasted quiz and a half. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Um, so I think, I think uh, Paul was disappointed that it was post-1980s that we had to pick comedies from because you couldn't pick three carry-on films. A, a little bit. I was actually originally, st- I was looking at things like, like the Lavender Hill Mob and the old Ealing comedies and I thought I'd throw a carry-on in there and then I realised it was post-1980 and had to start again. Mm. Yeah, but well, it's post-1980s uh, because in Mindhorde, which you've seen and you're going to review later, right, Tony? Yep. Yeah, it, the character in that is from an 80s TV crime show set on the Isle of Man, isn't it? So he's got yeah. a cybernetic eye that tells when people are lying. Is that yeah. right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So that's the reason we've gone for British comedies from the 80s onwards. Well, yeah. anyway, let's uh, carry on with the quiz. Yeah, <sighs> yeah okay. Uh, it's, it's multiple choice, obviously Owen versus uh, Paul and Tony in the blockbusters format, quizzing. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's officially known as. Um, first question, which of these was an actual carry-on film? Was it carry-on at the double, carry-on at your service, or carry-on at your convenience? Well, we know this, so you can go first, knowing. Easy. It doesn't fucking matter what I'm... I'm going to lose the quiz. <laughs> carry, carry on at your service. That, is that Fuck right? Fuck it, now. It's convenience. Yeah, convenience. Yeah, so one nil to, uh, to Tony and Paul. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be a rout. This is um, going to be an absolute rout. Paul, when are you next on? Because if you're on in this round of quizzing, the next quiz is going to be Star Wars based. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I might dear. just film, finish off with the films of Dave Courtney and, and be done with it. <laughs> be a new way of winning the quiz just by stitching him up at every turn. <laughs> Gonna make him even more angry. He's gone quiet though. He's probably gone. <laughs> He's gone. Um, the first carry on film was Carry On Sergeant, 
and that was made in 1957, 1958, or 1959. Ooh. Well, I've, I've, to I've, Moen, you're back I've, in the game. I've got, an, I've got an instinct there, Paul, but we'll wait for Owen. 57. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I think it's 58. I th- I think you might be because I think Carry On Nurse was still in the 50s and that would have been yeah. around 59. So yeah, let's go with that then. It is 1958. You've taken yes. a 2 0 yes. lead. Okay, so according to Wikipedia, um, but not including um, anything that your your mate Softcot might have been or might not be involved in anymore, there were how many unmade Carry On films that were either Ooh. scripted, partially scripted, or in pre-production when they or partly in production when they were cancelled and knocked on the head were there five seven or nine I don't know this one you might know this Paul I don't know it but I've got I've seen that list several times and laughed at it Um, there's one going to be based in space yeah I know that there was going to be one with Barry out of EastEnders, wasn't there, in London as a, as a modern cabbie or something, I think. Yeah. As well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I going, I'm going, might as well go first again. Nine. Let's go for the high one this time. I went low. It, I think it's the high. I think it's either seven or nine. So, should we go for seven? Yeah. It was, in fact, nine. Oh, yeah. Back in the game. Uh, which of these following um, films was one of those unmade carry-on films. Was it carry-on Dallas, carry-on New York, or carry-on Miami? Oh, I think, I think, Bloody hell. I've got, an, I've got an inkling. I've got an inkling. Go for it, because I genuinely, I, I can't remember. Uh, I, th- I think it's carry-on Dallas. I think. But... I, I kind of thought that as well, because it would be... Oh fuck no! Because uh, I don't know. Because when was the when was that soap? Because that's what I thought, but I don't know when that. I don't. It was it was late seventies, I think, wasn't it? Eight, was late seventies, eighties, or was it? Was what, it 80s? I, don't, I don't know. I can't think what Miami or New York would be. So oh, I th- I think it's Dallas. Yeah, I think Dallas. It is Dallas. Yeah, it's three three two to to Tony and Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, Sid James died on stage in which northern hellhole? Sunderland. Oh. Newcastle or Middlesbrough? <laughs> I know this. Yeah, well, I have no, no clue. Middlesbrough. Sunderland. <laughs> yes, it was, in fact, Sunderland. I know my Sid um, James. So it's... <laughs> it was his birthday today, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I just oh, want to apologise to Andy Alcock for describing his hometown as a... Northern Hellhole after he so kindly designed the graphics for Character Unlock and Underground Lights. I'm not sorry. <laughs> um, so Tony and Paul have, have, have won the quiz. Um, but I have I have done one other question and we can do it just for fun if you like, Owen. Oh yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> um, uh, one of the following had a uh, Appearance and their only appearance in a Carry On film in Carry On Columbus was it? A. Edmondson, Rowan Atkinson, or Rick Mail? Uh, Rick Mail? Do you know Tony? I I I think it's Rick Mail. Yeah, it is Rick Mail. Yeah, it is Rick Mail. Yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, yeah. Because he was I doing would, loads would... of stuff before he was part of the Dangerous Brothers, wasn't he? He was in American Werewolf on London and stuff like that. Was he? He was in the really? pub. I think it was just... It, oh, I can't yeah. remember whether he had a speaking line or not, but you see him in it, and you're like, fuck me, that's Rick Mail. He's right. just... Um, yeah. Not, not that it helped me, but I've actually got every single Carry On DVD, like, not even two feet away from me in the, <laughs> in the line. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's the quiz. Owen's lost the first round. Um, who's who's on next week, Owen, so I can find something that they're big fans of? I'm not telling you. I'm, keep, I'm not going to even reveal that. But you'll tell me at the end of the podcast. You've got to. That's what I'm thinking at the end. Mm-mm, not this time. Nope. I'll find out. <laughs> I'll find out on Monday morning. That's as long as I need. <laughs> Time now for what we've been watching, where we have a look at some films we've watched since uh, we've done the last podcast. Um, so, Owen, why don't you start us off with what you've seen? I watched The Night of the Hunter again, uh, which is Charles Lawton's um, film from 1955, which I don't really know how to describe it. I mean, it's kind of a noir film, but it's like a weird neo-noir film before noir was really established. A strange, strange film to watch because it's very obviously um, making use of shadows and um, the different forms of lighting and all the stuff that you associate with the way that a noir film looks. But the dialogue in it is nothing at all like most noir films. Um, It's kind of... It's about a couple of kids who go on the run after a preacher learns their dad was a bank robber and that there's money stashed somewhere at their house. And um, the preacher is obviously a criminal. I found out about this from their dad whilst their dad was in prison and they were sharing a cell. And he has a record of killing loads of widows. He marries their mom. Um, it's just, I, it, I, I guess, rather than just me bleat on about it, have any of you guys seen Night of the Hunter? Yeah. yeah I've seen it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. It's brilliant. What do you, it's brilliant, exactly. It's brilliant. Paul? Have you, yes, <laughs> I love it. It's great, isn't it? It's so unsettling. I think because Robert Mitchum is just... Uh, he plays a maniac extraordinarily convincingly. Um, but yeah, what, what's, your, what's your sort of overriding memory of it? If, I was, if you had to pick one thing you could really strongly remember from Night of the Hunter, what do you think it would be? Probably Robert Mitchum's p- performance... Hmm. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie. I haven't seen this since I was I was a kid. My dad was a huge Robert Mitchum fan. Um, mm-hmm. I just I just remember the the because she's um, proper like religious fanatic, isn't she? Shelley Winters. Mm. She um, she becomes that because of the preacher. He kind of manipulates Robert Mitchum. That is, he he kind of manipulates her. Like she thinks, like on their wedding night, she's. Um, basically going to be buffed and she goes to the bed and it's like no that's disgusting because he effectively buffed buffed <laughs> they're going to have a shag and he's just like no this is just is that like podgering uh, yeah they're going to have they're going to have a, a bit of roger in they're going to get down to it yep a bit of rumpy pumpy slap and tickle slap and tickle yeah how's your father <laughs> and all that but no it doesn't happen um 
<laughs> and he makes her stand in front of the mirror, basically degrades her as being filthy and, you know, why would anyone want to sleep with a, another human? It's revolting. Um, and then that's just like, well, she wants to then become the kind of woman that he would love. And so that means that she has to become a religious fanatic at the expense of her children, basically. Uh, so it's very dark, it's very twisted, and it's kind of... I, I would say it's very much a horror, but I think it's a horror in the sense that... It's interesting, actually, you said that you watched it as a kid, because I think it is very much like a... a I can imagine watching this as a child and it freaking me the fuck out, but being, like, just buried then in your psyche forever, because it's so great, and it's told almost all the while from the perspective of the two kids who are in it, the two young children. Um, you know, it's their story that you're following as opposed to Shelley Winter's character or Robert Mitchum's character. It's all about these two these two um, children. Um, and, you know, even the bit where they meet Lillian Gish and they're in her house and she's taken these kids in. It, there's so much to talk about from from all kinds of different angles and stuff about the narrative and the iconography and bloody, bloody, blah. But as I'm currently sat here surrounded by about one, two, it's about seven books on fucking film genre that I've spent a weekend writing an essay about. I'm just not going to even exhaust myself further by doing that and just say it's a fucking amazing film. It was really worth a watch. And I, I, I can't stress how much uh, of a classic it is. And it's a shame Charles Lawton decided that he was never going to make another film again because of how much stick he got for it. I think it was just too... To, I mean, it's a very cliched phrase, but it was just too ahead of its time. It was a noir without mm. fitting into the crime noir genre, and it was too late to be a sort of German expressionist kind of thing. Um, but although it's clearly very influenced by people like Fritz Lang and so on. But yeah, just a fucking amazing movie from, I think it was 1955, it was Night of the Hunter. Give it a watch. Okay. Uh, I saw the um, Denzel Washington film from 2006, Deja Vu, about a um, special agent who is investigating a terrorist attack on a uh, a ferry carrying some US Navy soldiers uh, and their families, and it is blown up, killing a lot of passengers, and then there's some time travel involved. Somehow they can look back into the past. Four days, six hours, three minutes, 45 seconds, 14.5 nanoseconds. Um, the time travel in this is somewhat less confusing than Primer, um, which is the kind of time travel film I base all um, confusing time travel details on. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've got... Um, not much to say about this. It's a pretty standard, pretty average blockbuster with with Denzel Washington in it. Uh, it's enjoyable and it's instantly forgettable. Um, the time travelling it is a little bit silly. Was that a pun? <laughs> I was wondering that. <laughs> Sorry? Was that a pun that it's instantly forgettable? Deja vu. I wish it was, but it wasn't actually. It was actually, accidental, no. yeah. It was accidental, yeah, purely accidental. I mean, Even then, funny when you don't mean to be. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> Washington, Washington was, was okay in it. Everyone else was okay in it. Um, if, if you haven't seen it, it's worth watching if you've got nothing better to do. 
but I wouldn't go out of your way to watch it. I'm not really selling this film very well, but while I was <laughs> while I was thinking about it, I thought of a, a much funner game we could play, which is um there's only two people I know of called Denzel. It's Denzel Washington and Denzel from Only Fools and Horses. So I replace <laughs> Denzel from Only Fools and Horses um with Denzel Washington in Only Fools and Horses. Uh, or you can replace Denzel Washington with Denzel from Only Fools and Horses. Not the actor, the character in any of his films. Yeah. So in in, fl- in in flight, the captain is now Denzel from Only Fools and Horses. American Gangster. Yeah, that, that'd be, that'd <laughs> that's brilliant. a good one. Uh, yeah. um, uh, training Day. Yes, mm, that'd yeah. be a that'd be a good one. Um, as Denzel from Only Fools and Horses as a as a cop, um, a dirty cop. Um, what else? Is, Just be careful else? you don't Denzel mention any Sidney Poitier films. <laughs> 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 what else is? What else is? Um, uh, Denzel been in. Well, he was uh, the Magnificent Seven last year, wasn't he? All this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Yeah, well, it'd be really better if in the Magnificent Seven his horse was called Trigger. <laughs> <laughs> this is much more fun than reviewing the film, isn't it? Yeah. Told, yeah. I know it would be. Yeah, true. Um, uh, fences. I mean, imagine that. Hmm. <laughs> I never thought I would. I never ever no, thought I'd no. be here doing this. Uh, remember the Titans. <laughs> remember the Trotters. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Book of Eli. That'd be a, that'd be an interesting one. Um, I don't think I've ever heard you so happy. Yeah. At, 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 at this point, <laughs> I'll take the, the, the Malcolm X. Put him in that. Mm. Yeah. There we go. There we go. So, um, all I can envision now is Denzel talking about his broom, and (laughs) and and now now he's had the same one for twenty years, whatever it is. (laughs) Right. Let's find out what uh, Denzel from Only Fools and Horses. um, Patrick Barber wasn't he in the Full Monty? He was. Yeah. I mean, people would probably like to see Denzel in the Full Monty, wouldn't they? Back in his prime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, he he was in um, he had small roles in the big screen version of Porridge there we go Mm. so Benzel with um, (laughs) Ronnie Barker Barker. (laughs) Uh, he was in the 51st State with um, Samuel L. Jackson and Robert Carlyle Uh, I tell you what would be brilliant if if he'd showed up in a film with Denzel Washington in because that would have really confused everything just swap roles yeah 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 uh, he he played a small part in Coronation Street, and he's been in Casualty, so we could have had Denzel Washington in then. Mm-hmm. So that's about it, really. I think we oh, were, <laughs> we're draining the well yeah. dry at the moment. Yeah, he was he, he, he was in an episode of Minder as well, uh, and he was in DL and Pasco. That'd be good. That'd be good to have Denzel in. Oh, he was in Brookside. Oh, <laughs> Denzel in Brookside would be amazing. Mm. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, so that was deja vu. Paul, tell us what you've seen. Uh, well, I watched um, a, a documentary, um, first time filmmaker Kate uh, Shenton uh, from 2013 called On Tender Hooks, um, which is another one of these sort of crazy subgenre films which. I have to say, I do love these things because typically the people in them are, are mad. And the other thing is, the first question you ask is, is it a sex thing? 
Well, this one is mm-hmm. about human suspension. Do you have any idea what this is? Human suspension. Yeah. Yeah, they they hang themselves on like they, hooks from the ceiling. They do indeed oh, hang themselves right. on hooks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it is a sex thing. And it's thing. definitely a sex thing. Mm. As in like the people who pierce themselves through the skin with hooks and stuff. Yeah, and then they yeah. t- like we're talking like massive fuck off hooks. So yeah. and it the people who used to be on like Ripley's believe it or not. That's yeah. well, you know, you know what you see like if you go into a butcher's and there's a cow hung up yeah. in the window, like that. Like that. But people, mm-hmm. and they're yes. live and not going to no. be eaten. And but quite going often away. they'll do it from from <laughs> trees. Some of them are doing it and going wee as they swing around, and it literally just dives straight in. Opening scene, fucking great big hook. They pinch her skin, whack the hook through either side. The ropes are on. And then they hoist them up in the air and you see their skin stretch out. It is incredibly graphic from the get-go. Um, it's, it's supposed to be this kind of engaging fly on the wall. You get to encounter all these different people. It really isn't. It's, there's no real proper narrative to it. It's a lot of very close-up graphic people having a couple of hooks Lift and they hoisted them up from just sort of um, their shoulder blades, the skin there. And then they moved to the ones who are having it done by their knees, their tits, Ooh. their arse. Some of them have two, four, six hooks. Mental German people having like 200 fucking fish hooks put in them with this complex um, rigging of all these ropes and then lifted up. And it moves forward into the. Um, competitions so they they have the the, like the world suspenders championship where they've got guys hanging and then they have ropes hanging off the guy with a girl underneath him hanging off him they get really complicated and bizarre and then they spin them round. and to be fair i mean it's incredibly complicated some of these sort of rigs and mock-ups they do but the whole time you're thinking Oh fuck off! You're sticking a great big fucking hook through yourself. Why are they always competition? Like when you watch Tickled, yeah, there was a, there was competition in that. Why has it always got competitions with them? Same <laughs> as the furries, the same as the like the ventriloquist one. Any of these subculture things, they always gravitate to. Well, a because you're gonna have loads of them in one building. So when you're filming it, perfect. You've got every dingbat who's involved in this in one place. Yeah, but like with ventriloquism, you can think right. I can understand the competition. It's a, it's a it's a talent or mm-hmm. a skill. So you you can do an act with the with the doll, so that you see which one's the best one. How can this be a competition? You're sticking fucking hooks in people. Complexity, I guess. Mm. New places to put hooks. Number of hooks. oh, Number don't of say hooks. any of them. Hook it in the lower <laughs> regions. Not so much. Only where the guys have got literally hundreds of them. I mean, I'm going to admit, I watch most of these for the wrong reason. I have no interest in the subject matter, but I just like seeing mental people do really stupid things (laughs) and then laugh at them, especially if it's a sex thing. You're a delinquent. Basically, yes. I will say, Owen, Mm -hmm. Tony, Mm -hmm. a lot of it was filmed Birmingham. Uh, Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be a hotbed for the UK suspension community. 
Yeah. And also that needs to go on the again, uh, the tourist board. That does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Dudley, home of the UK suspension championships. <laughs> it's a great hook. <laughs> and can I just say, for my, in, you know, full full disclosure, I'm I'm a terrible person for for for, for watching these things. But then these some of these people come out and they've got a guy's got like two hundred fucking studs in his face, right? And now most people are looking at it thinking, bloody hell, he's got 200 studs in his face and he's covered in tattoos. And I'm looking at it and thinking, I bet he hasn't got a job, the fucking scrounger. (laughs) 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 But anyway, it's 99 pence to um, rent this on Amazon Video. If you can stomach it or if you just fancy something completely batshit crazy that's going to make you squeamish, because trust me, there's fucking blood and piercing non-stop throughout this, then if you, yeah... Absolutely worth a watch. Uh, that was on tender hooks, um, available for ninety nine pence on on Amazon Prime, and you may find yourself interested in a new hobby. <laughs> if you're in Dudley, mm, if you're yeah. in Dudley, yeah. If you're in Dudley and want to be put on hooks, give me Tony a call. Um, <laughs> Mates, rates. Yeah, yeah. Tony, um, what what are you going to talk about? Are I... there hooks in it? No hooks, no. Um, next, week's, sadly. next week's triple bill is a three favourite film with film, hooks. Films with hooks. <laughs> and you're not allowed to pick hooks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I watched um, not 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 a film with hooks, but horns. Mind horn. Actually, there aren't any horns in Mind Horn, but it's uh, it's like this cane from Citizen Kane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's called Mind Horn. Uh, from Julian Barrett and Simon Farnaby. Uh, Julian Barrett of the Mighty Bush, as I've been informed before broadcast, because I didn't know who he was. Um, Bush, Mighty Bush. Bush, not Bush. Bush, exactly, which proves I'm not a fan, because I, I can't even say it properly. Um, I've seen the Mighty Bush, mate. That's a completely different film. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen A Field in England? Not yet. Ben Wheatley? Not yet. Oh, okay. Is he in that? Then. Oh. He's briefly in that as well. All these things I'm missing. But he's great in this, uh, as... Um, the titular character of Mindhorn, who is uh, who was an '80s uh, TV character, along the lines of uh, well, if you can imagine Bergerac, okay, or one of those kind of shoestring or one of those kind of things set in a very provincial place. Bergerac's probably the best. Lovejoy, Lovejoy, yeah, exactly. Bergerac's probably the best analogy because he was a, d- a detective on I think it was Jersey. I think Bergerac was. Mindhorn, yeah. is a. Uh, a detective on the Isle of Man, who uh, <laughs> I think I think what's the what's the backstory now? He was a detective previously. He was a spy, and he escaped Russia with a cybernetic eye, which allows him to see the truth <laughs> in, in everybody. <laughs> so he's a, he's a bionic Bergerac. Can't yeah, <laughs> yeah, I suppose he is. He's like a bionic Bergerac, and he can yeah, he can see the truth. So his catchphrase is "It's truth time," and he's got a leather jacket on. He looks a bit like Jim McDonald from um, Coronation Street, if you can imagine such a thing, with a big tash and a, an eye, uh, the cybernetic guy with an eye patch, and uh, like tight jeans, and he he drives an, an open top sports car, and he's got a crumpet, and he's got villains like and and. It is exactly like, if you can imagine Bergerac crossed with Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, if anyone saw that, <laughs> mixed yeah. mixed with the cheesy kind of 80s ongoing TV shows like, you know, Manimal and Knight Rider and all this kind of stuff. Um, 
So, yeah, this is, he's a fictional character, but in real life, he's a character, an actor called Richard Thorncroft. And the film is about, you briefly see Mindhorn in his prime, and then the film takes place in the present day, or just a few years uh, previously, where Richard Thorncroft is a struggling actor, he's got no hair, he's living in a, a shitty little flat in London, and uh, he has to become Mindhorn again when, on the Isle of Man, there's a serial killer loose um, called the Kestrel who's going around murdering people. And he's called the Kestrel because every time he he, he, he leaves a manifesto, he goes, ah, ah, like that, which is just one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever heard okay. in my life. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so he has to become Mindhorn because the Kestrel thinks Mindhorn is real. So Richard Thorncroft is dragged in by the police to become Mindhorn and try and help them solve the case. That's the basic setup. Beyond that... It does, does sound quite Alpha Papa. It's very Alpha Papa, yeah. It, it, it does go in, in off from there into other directions. There's other things like the fact that Richard Thorncroft he, is trying to build like his career back. He sees this as an opportunity, so he's constantly in character. Um, whereas in Alpha, Alpha Papa, when Alan Partridge is being massively partridge with the police, and, and he's he for him, it's more like he's excited it's police. With Richard Thorncroft, he's just pretending to be Mindhorn constantly. <laughs> it's a similar joke but it's executed in mm-hmm. different ways because Thorncroft isn't Partridge beyond the awkwardness and the fact he's he thinks he's the coolest man in the world and he's the least cool man in the world and he's getting on. But he's actually quite a sweet character. He's, he's more of a sweet character than... Part- Although, to be fair, in Alpha Papa, Partridge is a sweet character and as he's got older, Alan Partridge has become a sweet, sweeter character. But Thorncroft is a little bit just more pathetic, even more pathetic. Um but he's really likable and he's funny and and quite often it's the characters around him as well who are funnier if if not funnier um so you've got Simon Farnaby is in it playing his pretty stuntman who has since uh, married uh his the love of uh Thorncroft's life played by Essie Davis from the Babadook who's actually really really good in this and she's like a glamorous ex um actress who's become a a, a successful journalist on the Isle of Man um and uh, he, he he talks with the Dutch accent, and he's really patronising, and he says, "I've got everything you wanted, didn't I?" And, all this, and he's just he's just a twat all the way through to him, <laughs> and it's just a succession of people who continue to make Thorncroft feel shit all the way through. But along with that, it's 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 the story is effectively just a man through his fictional alter ego that he's never quite left behind, rediscovering his his mojo. Basically, that's effectively the thing story, but it's done in that very quirky, oddball, eccentric, British way. And it's, it, but it's got a lot of love for the 80s in it. You know, it's got, it's got that, like I said, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. It is, a lot of it is very similar to that. Have any of you seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's I love that. Amazing. It's, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, truly inspired. And it's, the, when, it, when it works, Mindhorn is almost as funny as that. And it's 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 not as funny as Partridge, but then Partridge is his own thing. Steve Coogan is in this, looking very thin. I've got to say, he doesn't look well in this. I don't mm. know if he's back on the smack. Again, I don't think he was. He wasn't on the smack, <laughs> was he? he I don't think well. he was ever on smack. He was just coke, wasn't it? Whatever. Yeah. Easy, Tony. Yeah. He, just he played. It was a bit of a leap. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there's a few times where I can't share by. Yeah, check with our lawyers first, I mean. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
<laughs> whatever he was on. Um, he doesn't look well. Because um, he plays. He must be on the back, oh, Tony. He's probably on his back again. Yeah. <laughs> he plays. Um, <laughs> he plays Mindhorn's nemesis, who. Uh, <laughs> Oh god. oh god! He was a supporting Don't character in Mindhorn, and he was called Windjammer. And then Windjammer went on to get like thirteen seasons, and he's the most popular TV show ever. And he's become super rich, whereas Thorncroft <laughs> just slipped into obscurity. So it's it's Coogan playing a little bit on that as well. Um, it's very it's good. Baby K who pro- did Baby K produce this yeah. or have some involvement? With yeah, it? they produced, which it, is yeah. Coogan's production company. Mm, mm. It's it's got a Coogan yeah. kind of thing all over. Don't it. Alarm you, but this sounds remarkably like the film I'm going to be talking about later. Oh, oh okay, mm. that's interesting. It is good. It is very good. It won't be for everybody, and it, it's probably going to be a bit too, you know, sort of self-aware for a lot of people and and cheesy. Mm. And you know, some people just won't get this. But I think if you like if you like stories or, or comedy, which is about not you know people it's about characters playing characters and um you know that kind of meta reference complete failures mm-hmm. yeah and that kind of thing you know in the in the in the entertainment world i think anyway basically what i'm saying is if you like alan partridge you will like mindhorn basically i really 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 wanted to see it but it's just there's it's not really had a particularly wide release has it no, it's, no, no. I, I did get to see it in Cineworld, but then I'm in Birmingham, mm. so I, I'm I have better luck with that quite often. But, well, um, they can just suspend themselves from the ceiling and fit more people <laughs> in the room. Can't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, exactly. in Cineworld Dudley, you know they've got a special I'm, room. And everything. I have two Cineworlds about an hour and ten minutes away each that always show mm-hmm. everything, and that's Ashford and Crawley. If, if it's unreleased, they're going to show it. But they even weren't showing it, and when it's not on there, I know I'm in, I ain't no chance of seeing it. Well, I did read that it was picked up um, internationally, Mind Torn, by Netflix. Ah. So from the twelfth oh. of May, internationally in regions other than the UK, that is, um, Mind Torn will be on there. I, so I imagine oh. we'll get it here within a few months, though. I should think in that case on Netflix, it'll probably be up by about July, August. Well, they, they so. have the, there's, there's the thing, isn't there? If it's been shown in a Cineworld, then it probably won't be up that soon. No. Because Cineworld have this thing where they won't screen stuff if it's on Netflix or Amazon or TV or Blu-ray within like is it six months. Something like uh, that. Three okay. to six months, I think. So we, we'll oh, probably right, okay. have to wait a well, while for That's it. That's me talking about my arse. But when it is, <laughs> when it is on streaming, if you don't get a chance to see it in the cinema, go go and watch it because it, it it is it is good, it is funny. Well, that is a uh, mind horn. I've had a few of those. In, yeah, in <laughs> cinemas now, some cinemas. A cinema oh. in Dudley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've looked in the ceiling. Time now for Triple Bill, um, and this week it is British comedies 1980 onwards, and we could have um, added any caveat to that that we wanted, so we could have said adapted from TV shows, uh, favourite, worst, should have been better, um, 
specifically picked ones from the 80s only, um, or we could have just picked the, what our three favourite ones are, which is what I did, and which is going to start off my three with um, a film that's got a sequel out very soon. That's Kingsman, The Secret Service, action comedy, um, starring Taron Egerton and Samuel L. Jackson, and Colin Firth, Mark Strong and Michael Caine. And it's about some uh, ute, I think they're called, um, <laughs> who... <laughs> that's a what, sorry? Is that a kind of plant? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that, a, is that a, a, a kind of like a medieval musical instrument? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he is um, recruited to be a, a Kingsman, which is basically a James Bond-esque spy. But it is so funny. The action is brilliant. It's brilliantly put together. It was a real kind of surprise hit, I think it was, wasn't it? Were people but expecting it, it to be as good as what it was? I think that was the shock, was that just yeah. how, how funny it was. Um, because I think it had some level of expectation on it because of who was behind it. It's Matthew mm. Vaughan, isn't it? Yeah. And so automatically everyone was going, well, it's got some level of... It's got a reputation that it's got to maintain for the, the director. And but it had a big cast. And it had a big cast. But uh, you're right, there was some like trepidation around it, particularly with Colin Firth as a lead role in a comedy spy film. Mm. But he was um, brilliant. He knocks it out of the park. He yeah. was great, especially the church scene, which is an action scene. Um, mm-hmm. But that was fantastic. Mark Strong's really good in it. Taron Egerton is, is great. He's really yes, good. Yeah. as Eggsy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's just... It's not a parody of spy films, really, but it, it's it's fun, it's funny, it's good action scenes, um, it's entertaining, and the tra- trailer for the sequel looks really good as well. I don't know, I don't know what to make of this, this sequel trailer. I mean, I I'll reserve it, judgment till I see it, but... I think it looks good, and I think they've kind of... Yeah, I think, I suppose, Channing Tatum coming into... It is the kind of big... Another, like the big star name coming into it, and I think he's the right kind of person after seeing him in, in Jump Street films. Mm. I think he fits that kind of film quite well. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, that's my my first pick. Um, Owen, what what are you picking? Okay, I didn't necessarily want to pick the absolute best. British comedy film since the 80s that I could think of because otherwise it would be the same old usual trio of Alpha Papa in the loop and then like one of the Cornetto trilogy um, so I wanted to choose three that I still think are very funny but we perhaps talk about less often uh, or I talk about less often so the first one I've gone for is Sightseers from 2012 um, I'm a big fan of Ben Wheatley. And in fact, I, I was tempted to include A Field in England on this list because I, I do find it fucking hilarious. But it's not really an out-and-out comedy. Uh, I thought about adding Free Fire as well from earlier this year. But again, it's kind of that's kind of an action movie first and foremost, uh, which is also funny and also not distinctively British either. Um, so the most straight-up comedic, but absolutely like just fucking laugh out loud funny movie of Ben Wheatley's I could think of was Sightseers um so it's got this like 
dark, uh, almost horror thread that runs through it. Uh, as like it's ba- it's basically about a couple from Redditch who go on a caravanning holiday, and along the way they start murdering people. Um, and the first time I saw it, I was I was literally in tears from watching it because it just kept making me laugh so hard. Uh, like the visual gags are just um, like there's a bit with the crotchless knitted knickers. Big fan of that, Owen. Which is just fantastic, and she sort of lays the mate on. Oh yeah, love it, don't we? Um, on our Sunday evenings together, um, <laughs> but like the ho- there's like a the, there's a, a dinner scene, and in fact the whole film is quite quotable anyway. You know the whole throwaway one line is like he's not a person, he's a Daily Mail reader. After they just bludgeon someone to death, and they're just a bit upset. One of them's a bit upset about. It. But then there's like uh, where she's at, they're at dinner, and she says, "I'm not wearing any knickers." So he pretends to drop a fork and looks under the 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 table to see and have a look up her skirt and says I couldn't see anything she says well I've got tights on I just think it's just like such a brilliantly constructed gag and I've not explained it well you have to see it I guess but yeah no I just love it I just think it's really funny have you guys um seen sightseers at all no well I I went along to the um St Leonard's Film Society um back in the day mm-hmm. uh that was the because I was desperate to, to see it, and I um, that was one of the few films I managed to get them to show, because the rest of them were like political documentaries and just okay. terrible. And uh, yeah, to put it on, I loved it, and the, everyone in that room was roaring. It's pro- just, roaring with laughter. Yeah, well, I think the one of the things that um, I didn't realise until the second time I watched it, whenever that was, was that it, it's not actually. Uh, so Ben Wheatley directs it, but it's written by Alice Lowe. And Steve Oram, who were the two who star as the couple in it. I didn't realise that they were the two who actually kind of masterminded this. Um, and, you know, they're just brilliant in it. They're both really, really funny. Uh, but I had a look on IMDb before we started recording. Sightseers has 6.5 out of 10. What? 6.5. What the fuck is wrong with people? IMDb is, is weird. I, 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 the IMDb ratings, I, I do, I try and do them for, for my X-Files podcast with each episode and they, the average is way off. It, it's either too mm. low or too high. So yeah. It's just fucking weird. Just, I mean, cause I thought everyone loved this. Everyone I know who's seen it has found it like side splittingly funny. Have you met members of but, the public yeah. going? They're fucking horrendous. They apparently are <laughs> utter bastards. Ugh. Yeah. True. But um, either way, I would recommend it. And Sightseers is uh, my first pick for the Triple Bill. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony? I, I'm i going to go with my three. I'm going to go with a mix of um, of not necessarily the best ones, but ones that I've just always loved. The first one is uh, Clockwise with John Cleese from the mid-'80s. And that, I remember it being one of the first... Uh, comedy films I watched when I was a kid, um, and it's it's not quite as I mean I I I I almost said a fish called Wonder because I think a fish called Wonder is amazing and I love that film to bits and that's a genuinely great British comedy. But Clockwise was Clockwise was one of the first I watched, and um, it's it's maybe a lesser remembered John Cleese comedy, uh, and it's it, it, I, I like it because it's it's just 
got that. It's got all the things that you would expect. He's basically playing Basil Fawlty again in a way, but he happens to be just a really uptight headmaster who is trying to get to a conference in somewhere like Norwich. And he just has the worst day you can possibly imagine as he's trying to get to this conference. And but it's about, it's a man having a breakdown at the same time as trying to get to this conference when with a million different people on his tail. There's a, a, a student, a sixth form student who ends up driving him halfway there. He ends up in a monastery. His wife is after him because she thinks he's having an affair. I think it is. There's three batty old women who one of them, all she does is talk about sherry glasses all the way through, which is hilarious, which is funnier than I'm making it sound. Um, one's just singing away. One's clue. It's just, it's just there's lots of things in it little observational comedy that I think is just brilliant. Plus the fact, I, I've, I, in the last few years, I found out it was filmed in the Midlands. Um, parts of it were filmed in the Midlands. The school that is used is a mm-hmm. school that's now known now called Phoenix, um, which is based in Oldbury in, uh, in the Midlands, not far. And, and, where I'm from, literally where I'm oh, from. Oh, right, okay. Well, you, you probably know where Phoenix is then, Owen. Um, I've never heard of it. <laughs> well, it, it was called, well, it was called something else. That's why. And I can't remember the name of it because two of my best friends worked there for ages and they, they were the ones who told me that Clockwise was filmed there in the 80s and it was called okay. something else back then. But yeah, so part of it was filmed in Oldbury, which I always quite like. Um, but I just think it's really funny. And I, th- I, th- I think it's, it's an underrated John Cleese 80s comedy. Okay. I'm going to look at where this school is. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's, oh, it's going to drive me nuts now. But yeah. It's uh, Throne Road, literally just round the corner from where I went to school then. Probably. There we go. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Did not know that. Yeah. This it... is the uh, um, <laughs> local geography <laughs> podcast specific to the <laughs> to people like Literally, like, like men's, it's like Menzies. where I went to school, it's around the corner. Yeah. Not, what, the, what the fuck was that then? It used to be called Menzies. Welcome to the Dudley cast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Menzies, I'm looking at it on, on Wikipedia. The Menzies buildings were used as one of the filming locations for the 1986 film Clockwise. Yeah, used to be oh, called Menzies. I think Menzies. it's on the Lion Farm housing estate. We yeah. never used to get in there. It was a bit rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bit, yeah. Quite a lot of West Brom at that side is, so, yeah. yeah. Mm. Failed Brummies, this is now. That's that's the new name I mean, of the podcast. I can't believe that. This film literally just like almost a stone's throw from where I went to school. Yeah, but you just weren't alive Failed, at failed the time. Brummies, otherwise known as Brummies. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, not at um, uh, suspension. I'll have you know. Thank you. If you could afford the rigging, you would be. <laughs> uh, Paul, not with that education, we yeah. can't go Paul, Paul, what's the um, your first one? Yeah, well, my choice. Which, which Carry On film have you picked? <laughs> Columbus. No, um, I, I tried oh. to kind of come up with stuff that I, I don't really hear talked about that often and one of the great things when you listen to podcasts and stuff especially when you do sort of triple bills or lists is finding stuff that you, you might have missed um not necessarily all three of these are going to fall into this category but i think at least one maybe two will but um my first pick is from 2007 um a frank oz film called death at a funeral oh yeah okay you, you've seen it tony right. i i have yeah is, is this the american or the british no no the, the british one the British one's brilliant. It's just, yeah. it's a, a basically it's about a dysfunctional family who are trying to bury the the, the, the patriarch, and the kind of mishaps and adventures that that happened around that. Specifically, Peter Dinklage turning up with a with a dramatic revelation, and um, he's after a few quid. 
um, without spoiling things. With all these things, it's kind of listed as a black comedy, but I'd say it's more of a, a you know an ensemble farce. And if you're going to do that, you need to have a banging cast for this, and and they they really do. I mean, Keely Hawes, Ewan Bremner, Daisy Donovan, who surprisingly can act. Um, Jane Asher, <laughs> yeah. Chris Marshall, Rupert mm-hmm. Graves, Peter Vaughan, who just steals the whole thing, Peter Dinklage. Yeah. R- really good people, really tight script. It only comes in at sort of um, 85 minutes. Yeah. You've got, uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, it's one of those things. If you just want a real quick fix, some absolutely brilliant laughs tight script you can kind of see a little bit where it's where it's where it's going to go um all set around this funeral in all, more or less one location in in one in one house i the bit with with the uncle if you haven't seen it will will stay with you forever <laughs> and proper tears and gasping for air hilarity so yeah that that my my first pick death just at- avoid the american remake cuz that's dog shit yeah, I, I've not seen it, terrible. but I, I gather it's it's terrible. There's no need for it either. My second pick is a film from 2010. Uh, it's a film called Four Lions, and it is about four homegrown terrorists um, trying to uh, launch... Robert Dingy Rapids! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> trying to launch their, an attack... Um, and it is uh, directed by Chris Morris, and it's starring um, uh, Kevin Novak, who you would probably know best as Phone Jacker, and Riz Ahmed, who was in the Star Wars Rogue One film. Um, and it is just so ridiculously funny, just unbelievably funny. When you kind of see the subject matter, you think they can't make this that amusing can they <laughs> and they and they do because it is just so funny so satirical there's, there's as well as the satirical parts of it there's kind of your slapstick physical comedy in there as well there's just stupid moments it's just it's such a, a original idea pulled off really well but only only chris morris could get away with that though couldn't he i mean it, yeah because it's some of it is really like everything he does, like brass eye and all that stuff. Some of it is like, oh, I can't believe you've just done that. But it's yeah. it's great. Yeah, I'm I'm going to take a contrary position on this, Tony, because and I do I do really enjoy it. But there's one kind of scene where they massively bottle it because they go to the airport. Then the next thing you know, they're there. They missed the trick of. Can you imagine them on the plane? Because it was around the time, <laughs> really insensitive. Yeah. You'd shoot bombers and things, but it, and the nine eleven, they they bottled it. There's, you could, I with no question that that they wanted to do them on the on that plane. Yeah, probably. Mm. Mm. Um, okay, uh, Owen, what's your second choice? I'm going to reveal it in a second, but I want to just pass this on as well. I saw something on Twitter recently about um, Colin Firth in. Um, Kingsman, which we were talking about a minute ago, and I've just found it. Someone asked him, what was the worst injury you suffered during Kingsman filming? He says, one of the first moves I had in one of the big fights, I was told I wasn't aggressive enough, which really hurt my feelings. I thought that was quite... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, my second choice is With Niall and I from 1987, which I was 
re-watching before starting this podcast. I got an errand 15 minutes in and I had to abandon it to come upstairs and start recording this. And even just that first errand a bit again was just making me laugh so much. Um, I mean, on the surface with Nail and I, I think it's about like two destitute, alcoholic, nearly 30-year-olds who aren't from London who accidentally go on holiday. But I think it's just like a fantastic character study as well of a sort of time and a place. Uh, with Nail, who's played by Richard E. Grant, you start off thinking, okay, he seems like the maniac who's uh, drug and drink abusing and a layabout and this sort of selfishness is what's hindering the pair of them. But as you go on, especially when you rewatch it again and you see like how they, they behave at the very start of the film, you I think it's it's almost like the films as as a satire, and then because Paul McGann's character, who is the I in the title, who's only revealed to be Marwood when you read the the credits, his name's never said in the film, but he's he is the most hideous, snooty, and horrid person in the film. You know, he's the eaten, educated sponger who, if he wanted as evidenced, of course, by like the end of the film, he could just call his dad and sort everything out if he wanted to. He doesn't have to live in squalor. Uh, and you, like, you could you could read it, I guess, as Marwood is the guy who wants to reject his heritage to live like a normal person. But when you're introduced to him, and it's the first time I've noticed this, when you're introduced to him, the first thing he says, or the first like real substantial thing he says, is he's asking Withnail why he hasn't called his dad to borrow some money. So it's hard to see him as anything but a user because he could just walk out of there, drive off to his dad's fucking mansion, and that's it then. He doesn't have to live like this, but he he chooses to to abuse and exploit Withnail, who is having to live like this. Um so, yeah, you know, he, I, I think he almost gets caught out as well by Uncle Monty. He almost catches, or he thinks he's been caught, but what you think, what's actually happening is Uncle Monty thinks he's gay because, well, because Uncle Monty is a queer sort, as the farmer calls him. Um, and again, that's like another thing that the film's probably actually about, which is this oppression, this anxiety over their own sexuality because they're basically a gay couple without actually being gay. Uh, but any, I mean, anyway, all, all of that aside, even ignoring it, anything like that and just watching it as as a sort of straight up comedy, it's just it is a really bloody clever film. But it's also very, very funny. Uh, it's not exactly like a gag reel. There's not like a joke every other second or a pun or something. But there's just so many, so many laughs in it. So many short skits um, of stuff like them plucking the well, you don't see them plucking, but preparing a live chicken to eat in the way that, but it, I mean, it's just, it's just so funny. It gets better each time you watch it as well. I forgot exactly how funny it was. It's a classic. I think it's a cult classic. Um, and yeah, basically I don't think I could have let us do a triple bill on British comedies without mentioning with Nail and I. So okay. that is my second choice. Okay. Tony, your second choice. I'm going to go with a film, which is objectively bad, but, I love it anyway. The big... fun for your wife. <laughs> no. no, that made me want to get chicken pox back rather than watch it again. Quite frankly, <laughs> um, it's horrendous. Um, no, I'm going for Guesthouse Paradiso, the Brilliant. bottom movie. <laughs> Ooh, <right>. uh, <laughs> which because bottom is easily, easily 
one of the greatest comedy series ever made anywhere in this world. And I know it inside out, um, like a lot of people do. It's one of the most quotable shows ever. And the film was was made years after the, the TV show, a few years after the TV show ended. And, you know, it, it isn't as good. It's basically bottom meets faulty towers, effectively. Richie and Eddie in a hotel on the edge of a cliff next to a nuclear power plant trying to, <laughs> trying to run a hotel. Um, but it's absolutely fucking brilliant. Like, it, it, there's so many things in it. You even, Isn't I, Fenella Fielding in that? Fenella Fielding's in it, yeah. Um, as just basically one of like like the character she played in carry on screaming effectively just <laughs> sitting there batty old woman she's like or she's like the the major equivalent from 40 towers mm-hmm. effectively um and there's loads of bill noise in it um there's vincent cassell is in it there's loads of random people that crop up who, who are well known um and it's it's just so stupid I, but i i just have vivid memories of watching it like I think it was an actually I think it was a New Year's Eve after we'd been out on the piss all night and we came home and me and me a bunch of mates and we watched it absolutely pissed and it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life the the opening bit which is an extended sequence of of Eddie trying to get back to the hotel as his bike sort of starts distri- coming off him as he's riding it and he ends up riding a, a handle bar less bike just like <laughs> like a bullet yeah. i just was crying crying with laughter and the moment he he's he, we find out he's called richie twat it's thwait <laughs> i was yeah. just in bits <laughs> it's like so much or like when they press the buzzer but there's no noise so they goes vape <laughs> like that vape <laughs> it's just so good it's so good i've got a confession tony it's- i showed this to my kids <laughs> How old were they at the time? Mm, not old enough. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking oh. loved it. It is it, Rick, Rick and Aid at their it, even when they're not writing the best stuff. Those two, in terms of slapstick, are two of the best, most genius comedians ever this country's ever mm. given us. So you can, yeah, for, they are just. But even with subpar stuff, like some of their live shows weren't as good. Like I, I remember seeing an arse oddity, the fourth one, the bottom one, and it wasn't brilliant, but it was hilarious. You know, even on a bad day, they're great. So, guess that's Paradiso. Yeah, if you like, if you like, if you like them or bottom, you can mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> it's great. Okay, and Paul, your second choice. Um, my second choice is from two thousand and seven. And it's a, a comedy with Robert Webb and David Mitchell called Magicians. Silence. Oh, yeah. I saw really? this. You have yeah. seen it? Yeah, a while ago. I don't remember much about it, I'll be honest. But yeah, I did see it. It's, it was all right. It's about a magic competition. It's kind of like a parody of The Prestige by Christopher Nolan. Um, but yeah, Webb and Mitchell are basically um, stage magicians. From the offset, you see that... Um, Something goes, well, you, well you, it's not a spoiler. It, it, something goes terribly wrong in the opening scene when um, David Mitchell, who bizarrely plays a character called Harry Kane, <laughs> accidentally chops his wife's head off yeah. after catching um, Robert Jack and his wife. And then you see four years pass and they're not really speaking. David Mitchell's really struggling because he, now he can't get any work because he's chopped his wife. That the, the chopping his wife's head off thing comes back many, many times because it is. But to be fair, it is quite funny, and they end up going to a, a, 
a competition, a magic competition in Jersey. And um, the Peter Capaldi is the main judge in complete batshit mode. As in, you know, like thick of it levels of, of, of horrendousness. <laughs> um, Steve Edge turns up in this. It's quite rude as well. He's like, he's just wandering around going, suck me wand, suck me wand. Do you want to suck my wand? And, it, and like David Mitchell's looking, he's like, that's horrendous. Why are you sick? He goes, do it 30, 40 times a day. I'm going to get a bite. <laughs> it's just, if I, no. this is one, I, I, I'd not seen it before. This was a, the, the first time watch. Um, because, like, you know, I love um, Mitchell and Webb. And I just thought, what? They made a film about magicians? How did I miss this? It ain't great. It is a little bit predictable. But it's still, you know, it's still, if you like these two, it's definitely worth your time. And if you like magic as well, even though I think magic's shit, um, there are a few magicians in there. Some of the stage acts are actually quite funny. And they take the mickey a little bit with some of the, some of the acts in real life. So, yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, recommended magicians. It's not just Mitchell and Webb, though, is it, that have been behind this? Because it's both Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong from Peep Show. Yes, so it's those two. It's plus yeah, it's like a mashup. Yeah. So it, I, I had to check Letterbox to see if I'd actually seen it, and uh, I had. Okay. I had no memory of it. I could, I just don't remember it at all. Even you talking about it, then I still don't. The only reason I know I've seen it is because it's got watched ticked on it. So I must have seen it at some point. Yeah, but, I mean, it's it's one of those ones that just fell by the wayside. You can tell if you've got an IMDb, hmm. five thousand people have left a rating down a lot for a mainstream film no. mm. and my next one's going to be even more obscure so <laughs> well my final choice is uh borat cultural learnings yes. in america for make benefit glorious <laughs> nation of kazakhstan and it excellent Sasha baron cohen film starring his his second um big character after ali g which is borat the the kazakh uh journalist who decides to travel through the United States uh, to learn about American culture um, to try and help his own nation. And it's, it's a loose plot. Uh, it's just a series of set pieces of, of slapstick and Borat um, trying to embarrass Americans, as uh, Baron Cohen's best characters always did, Valley G and Borat himself and Bruno, in, in the kind of non-plotted TV show, just where it's you know, set up to interview people and, and whatever. Um, I don't think I've laughed so much in a cinema at a film. There's, there's, there's probably yeah. two or three films that are on a par with it, um, and you're looking at stuff like South Park, Bigger, Longer and Uncut, and, and a couple other things, but mm. I don't think I've laughed so much. Like, proper... Do you know what, Steve? I, I'm this genuinely... I was to get thrown out. <laughs> like, like proper creasing up with laughter, not like uncontrollable laughter, not not just sort of like a quick chuckle and then sit down and watch it. Like literally dying with laughter, rolling around on the floor, just absolutely hilarious. Everything about it is ridiculous. Everything about it is so wrong. From throw the Jew down the well <laughs> to <laughs> throw the Jew down the well. <laughs> Come on, join in. Throw so the Jew like down the well. <laughs> 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 to, 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 the, to the to the naked fight scene through the hotel yeah. and 
when they come in that hotel room yeah. the next morning, oh my god! If the people watch that and don't find it funny. There's something wrong with them, or they're Kazakh. <laughs> <laughs> that Bruno and Jazz for me, and, like, and even then, I can't. I just literally can't control myself. That's definitely. Bruno, Borat, and Jackass. Do you know, I've been watching a lot of the Jackass movies on Comedy Central. I don't, I just end up watching, they're, uh, you just shouldn't laugh at the stuff they do, but it's so fucking funny. Oh. I can't help it. What was I watching them? Like, there was, um, I can't remember their names, but he was, one of them was throwing a ping pong ball. The other one hit it with his knob (laughs) and then another one (laughs) dove in and caught it in his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And you just think, what am I watching? But just like, it's stupidly funny. My favourite is always, it's in the bar scene with Wee Man. And he starts a fight, and all the little fucking dwarf cops run the in. The police <laughs> dwarfs come in. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, what's your final choice? I kind of plumped. For, my original final choice was In Bruges, uh, which I originally thought was like an Irish film, but I had to look on IMDb and Wikipedia, and it says it's a British movie. It just happens to have Colin Firth and um, not Colin Firth, Corey Farrell and. Uh, Brendan Gleeson as the, the main cast, but um, I rewatched it today and it wasn't quite as good as I remembered. I don't know whether it's just because it's the second time around, but I mean, it's still very good. I still really liked it. But anyway, so I haven't picked it in Bruges. I watched Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels again today as well. And that was that didn't make it either, although it is still quite funny. I went in the end for... An adaptation of an Irving Welsh novel, which could have so easily been Train Spotting or Train Spotting Two. Um, I did nearly choose the latter as well, but I went for Filth. I chose Filth. I genuinely oh, think Filth love is, it. Yeah, I think it's one of the best modern British movies. Um, not just like best comedy either, but like one of the best British movies that we've produced in the last 10, 15 years or more. Um, stars James McAvoy as Bruce, a drug addicted, uh, alcoholic, bipolar, depressed, hallucinatory cop in Edinburgh who's um, stuck investigating a murder and trying to gain a promotion and also win back his wife and kid in a weird sort of way. I don't know. I think I've always said the best way to sell it is just to compare it to like a Scottish bad lieutenant. Um, although it's not really <laughs> about religion, but it's just it's it's just genuinely funny all the way through. I think the way that everything is worked in together is great. I think Imogen Poots is fantastic in it. I just uh, yeah, Paul, we've chatted about this before, haven't we? We've said on the podcast how much how how great filth is. Yes, it's just. The depravity mm. with the whole t- turn my gas off stuff, and um, yes, when I when I funny when I first read the book, and um, I actually got a really manky copy, and all the pages were out. I think I mentioned this before the podcast, and I think yeah, I think it was yeah. Random House, whoever it was, they literally couried me a new copy. <laughs> Back in the days of the city, Brilliant. no problem, and and I was thinking, mm. how are they going to do take worm? Because, uh, mm. but they do. They've managed to pull it off. Yeah, they do. Uh, trust it, me, it's... have you read? If you haven't read the book, 
that's a challenging read. With all this stuff in brackets all over the place, it's like it's really confusing. Yeah, because ever since I heard about the film, it was it was dubbed as one of these that's you know it's of an unfilmable book that was like part of the whole. I guess maybe even part of the the film's marketing was that it was you know unfilmable, and they've done it. And I think they genuinely did turn. Well, I haven't read the book, but they genuinely made a very good movie. Um, so yeah, filth is just fantastic. I highly, highly recommend it. Okay, and uh, Tony, your final. Pick. Uh, well, I, I I almost went for In Bruges here as well, almost mm-hmm. because I think it's amazing. I think it's brilliant every time you watch it. Really. I almost also went for In the Loop, which again I think is just a fantastic comedy. Probably, probably the funniest comedy of the last few years. Um, I think definitely between that and Alpha Papa, they just they are just the two yeah. best British comedies. Alpha Papa, I, I could think. have put in here definitely as well. They are, hmm. um, but I think I had to I had to go with Snatch because Great. A, a Snatch <laughs> is just I love Snatch so Darks. much. <laughs> it's <laughs> sorry, carry on, Tony. Away <laughs> <laughs> with the next one. Um, it's it's just brilliant. I I I. That's the the oh. That's the, the lock stock. I liked and I do like, but I for me, mm-hmm. snatch is the true comic gem, comic gangster gem. I just there's so many, again. It's just the quotability. There is just so much in it, you know. Where, where I, I I don't know where to start. I, I just it just cracks me up every every time. There is not there is barely a missed beat in that film in terms of a line that works, a character actor who's you know on his top of his game. Mm-hmm. It's just brilliant. It's just brilliant from start to finish. And I could again I could spend like the next hour just quoting that film. You know it, it's it's great. It's great. And I I would I would go as far as to say it's it's the best Guy Ritchie film. I, I mean, it's easily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, he's 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 done some good films. Don't get me wrong, but I think Snatch just is a cut above everything else. It is yeah. great soundtrack as well. Yeah, great great music all the way through. I prefer Lockstock. Yeah, well, a lot. To be fair, a lot of people do. Yeah, and I I, I understand yeah. that. I really do. And but I just Snatch is just a bit special. I think Lockstock's got some a bit more like raw and filteredness to it. Yeah. And Snatch is more polished. Yeah, yeah, but. I think in this particular case, the polish helps it. <laughs> you know, having yeah. watched Lockstock again today, which you know it is great, it is a very good film. Snatch just has the edge. Snatch just, just doesn't cry like with Lasso. Yeah, Snatch has got Brad Pitt playing an Irish gypsy boxing champion, <laughs> which is something yeah. that you would like convincingly as well, which is something that you would yeah. never really think that he could do. At any point in his career, and he's a very or good even actor. that he would have done. Well, know, apparently the, the he saw apparently that... he saw Lockstock and then went to Guy Ritchie saying, "I want to be in your next film." Mm. Mm. So I, that I think was the it, role that Guy Ritchie came up with. If, if any, if anything proves that Brad Pitt has always been a character actor, really, it's it's Snatch. You know, it's the fact he can he could do that and he did it brilliantly. Mm. You know, he may he may look like a matinee idol leading man, but he's not. He never has been. He's always been a character actor, really, and that proves it. And that's what I love about Snatch. There's so many great character actors, whether it's, you know, you've got, it's a film where you've got Jason Statham, Brad Pitt, and Mike Reed, Frank Butcher from EastEnders. That's, that's, mm. that's it. What, yeah. I just love that. I love that. What do you take me for? A double <laughs> yoke? <yoker? laughs> I don't even know what that means. Hey, <laughs> shut up, okay. sound, big bald fuck. It's just like, <laughs> it's just brilliant. 
Do you know actually you're right, Steve? Because a double yoke is like that's quite a, that's a good thing, isn't yeah, it? You get a double yoke, you're over the moon. You've, oh man, I mean, over mo- the moon. modern times, if you get a double yoke, that's straight on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, that, is, that is Snapchat gold. <laughs> I thought that was just for your dick. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> never unsolicited, un- ne- ne- obviously. Yeah, they're never yeah. unsolicited. They're always requested. I'm not a pervert. <laughs> it's like plural, always. Yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a host of maidens across the UK <laughs> asking for Steve Norman dick fics. It's just these days on yeah. Instagram, they have a sepia tone See, on them. Something sepia, but no. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> you went there. Paul, what's your final choice? Well, um, I say that not everyone has seen this, I hope, because I do tend to live in the TV, TV kind of exclusion zone and it takes me 20 years to catch up as I have been doing a lot recently. But my final pick is Cruise of the Gods. Oh, is this Coogan and Bryden? Yes. Yes. With Dave, uh, David yes. Wallace yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I watched this years, years ago though. This is like, what, 15 years ago? 2002, yeah. So um, Bryden, Steve Coogan... David Walliams, who I have to say is the best character name in, in well, forever. He's called Jeff Lurky Monks. <laughs> <laughs> and James Corden's in it as well. And, oh. and um, I'm going to be blunt, he's not a cunt in it. What? He's not mm. a cunt. He's really good. Blimey. Kill me afterwards. I don't remember him in it. Yeah, no, he's... he's he'd be, it's about... Um, a science fiction series from from the eighties, sort of a post apocalyptic, terrible sci fi series, and the people who are fans of these, Tony, you'll 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 be able to uh, resonate with this. Um, you know, people who get hung up on terrible old sci fi, and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know how that feels. <laughs> and the, the the two main stars of, of this show are Rob Brydon, Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan goes off to America, is doing really well. He's doing his new show, Sherlock Holmes in Miami. <laughs> and um, poor Rob Brydon is, is a hotel porter. And he's offered the chance to do a fan cruise. He's going to get two grand for a week's work. And it's just him trapped on this boat with the fans of this show from the 80s. It does play up to a lot of stereotypes. They're all nerds and... But do you know what? It's actually quite gentle as a, as a comedy. It's not, you know, it. And uh, to be honest, I'll watch anything with Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan in together, and it doesn't kind of play out as you think as well. Because you, you know, if this was American, Steve Coogan would be an absolute bastard when he eventually sort of reappears into the frame, and he's not. He's actually a really nice bloke. <laughs> mm. But David Williams pretty much steals the whole thing. He is so fucking nerdy and so creepy. He kind of, he just literally on the shoulder of the stars of this thing. He's the organiser of the event on the boat. So he, he organises all the talks, looks after the talent. And he's, oh my God, he's so creepy. But in, in, a, in a brilliantly comic way. And I, I always thought he was a bit of a twat, to be fair. And after seeing him in this, I've actually changed my opinion. He's really, really good and very, very funny. So, yeah, so there's my 
wild card there, Cruise of the Gods. If uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of uh, Bryden and Coogan. You know, Bryden is in um, Lockstock. I always forget that. Yeah. I watch it. Yeah, as the traffic warden. Mm. Well, I know we've got um, quite a few people on Twitter, Owen, have, have, have sent some recommendations. But just before we get to that, I, I, I did have a couple of honourable mentions that didn't quite make it, which I watched. Uh, one was Love, Honour and Obey, which a lot of people mentioned, which was fucking terrible. But I'm not sure if it was intentionally terrible. And then the uh, a film called Black Ball. Have you anyone seen this? Oh God! Is that is Black is that Paul K? It is. Yes. That's the anarchic lawn bowls play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it, only in this country could be cast Paul K in a film about lawn bowls. Is Charles Dance <laughs> in this as well? No, it's not. It's James Cromwell. But it's John, Johnny Vegas is in it, isn't he? Probably. He tends to turn. Oh yeah, yeah he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And vaguely, I, th- I can't. It's one of those I can't remember. Whether Hang I've... on, oh Vince Vaughn, that's the other one. It's like, why is Vince Vaughn in this? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can't recommend it. Not gonna Before lie. Before we go on to what other, what were on your shortlists? Like, what what else were you guys considering? Well, I, was, I was trying to be different because usually for these things, you got the Cornetto trilogy, the In Between, his first movie, Alpha Papa. Uh, I thought I thought for sure you would possibly go for. I'd probably go for a Mike Bassett, England manager. Mike Bassett, England manager is up there for me, but no, I, mm. I try to avoid stuff that I always talk it's about. It's just boring, isn't it? If we just pick Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and then either Alpha. Well, I touched or... upon it earlier. If you listen to podcasts, you you know half half you've got half a chance of finding something you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And Shaun of the Dead, everyone's seen. ITV Two have put it back on rotation. There you go. So. Yeah. Be on three times a week for the next six years. It's still very good, though. I mean, yeah, it's still a very good film, but it's not anyone who's listening to this podcast presumably has already seen Shaun of the Dead or decided yeah. they're never going to watch it. Hot Fuzz is better yeah. anyway. Ooh. 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 Yeah. Let's not go into that debate. <laughs> <No>. what, <laughs> so what else were, What was on your list then, Tony? What was on your long list? Um... Well, as I say, I mentioned A Fish Called Wanda earlier, which I love that film so much. Uh, in the Loop, in Bruges. Um, I would I would have put Hot Fuzz as well, I think. Monty Python, The Holy Grail, definitely, which I think is one of the, bit, one of the best ever. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I think that, that was that was it, really. I think as, as I was looking at this, I was like, I, haven't, I don't think I've seen that many. <laughs> or I've just rewatched the same ones yeah. like all the time. I think I've just rewatched a lot of the same comedies. So. Mm. Oh, Borat. Definitely Borat as well. Because I had to fight not to put a Danny Dyer film in. <laughs> <laughs> what would have been the Danny Dyer one? Uh, probably Human Traffic. Yeah. Because it is still it was... is very funny. Or maybe Run for Your Wife, which I know you all hate, but I actually quite like. No, it's awful. Nice. I fucking hated Terrible. it. Terrible. With a passion. Doghouse was quite good. Yeah, I, I quite like Doghouse. Brent Life on the Road was one I was a min and R in about. Yeah, I would have set fire for that as well. Yeah, I thought that might be the case. Do you remember a film we watched on here uh, for here before, Steve, called Jadu? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, that was um, not going to be on my long list, but I, you know, thought we'd give it another short plug. We had a screener for that in. God, when was that? 20, 2012, 2013? Oh, aged, aged ago. It just made me want yeah. a curry. It, that's it, yeah. Because it was set in Leicester, wasn't it? So James obviously begged for a screener of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what uh, What was on the listeners' lists? 
Paul. Well, Carol went for Alpha Papa. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, my friend Juliet, she went for Clockwise. Good choice. Um, okay. Yep. James on Twitter, Second Suit, he went for Party Party, which has been mentioned on this podcast before for being wildly inappropriate. It's a. <laughs> that's, oh, how we, that's how we describe you. Yeah. He also <laughs> went for a fish called Wanda, In Bruges, Human Traffic, and Grabbers. But I think that might be Irish. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it probably is. Yeah. It's good, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else have we got? That has Jeff from Coupling in it. Yes. We had an absolute ton of responses. I yeah, mean, I've got Mean Machine, Love, Honor and Obey, which I mentioned, which I didn't like. Operation Good Guys. Is that a film? Operation uh, a TV Good show, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. Fly on the yeah. Wall thing, wasn't yeah. it? It was just before The Office. It was funny. It was very good. Uh, mm. Liam from the show, he went for Bullshot, Guesthouse Paradisio, yeah. The Drummond Will. All that is. Um, Time Bandits, Clockwise, and Sightseers. Um, Mm -hmm. Mark, uh, Palace fan on Twitter, has gone for Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, Paul World's End. Blimey. Uh, Andy Hobbs has gone for The Full Monty. That is good. Uh, Dan, yeah, he's good. Dan's gone for In the Loop, The Cornetto Trilogy, Fish Called Wonder, Brass Off, and Free Fire. Uh, Andy Hobbs again has gone for Porridge. Was uh, Porridge in the eighties? No, I think it might. Oh, it, it might, might have been the movie. Probably the was. Movie. Yeah, yeah, it probably it was. Yeah. Um, if so, good choice. <laughs> yep. Rachel on Twitter has gone for East is East um, and Ali G the movie. Mm. This ah, Ali G. <laughs> mm. Fair enough. The movie was it was it was all right. Yeah, it's funny enough. Yeah, it is it? actually quite but, funny. Yeah. Mm. Um, Liam and Steve have gone here for Yellow Beard. Rachel again has gone for Gregory's Girl. That is a good shout, actually. Uh, With Nail and I again from Steve. Neil here has gone for Time Bandits. Alan Williams has gone for Four Lions and Love Honor and Obey again. Neil here has gone for Bedazzled, A Fish Called Wonder, Life of Brian, and Curse of the Were Rabbit. <laughs> oh yeah, we haven't mentioned anything to do with Wallace and Gromit. No, that is good. Curse of the Were Rabbit. That is funny. Have, have you got any Tony? Because I, I, I literally <laughs> bless yeah. everyone for yeah. replying. I, but I can't go through. I, them had, all. I had a fair few. You're, you're no in charge. Both of you two, by the way. This is it. I'm handing <laughs> like your uh, social media people from now on. Because I never get responses to stuff, but you guys have just fucking swept up. Uh, yeah, it's, it's something something about this topic, I think. Uh, I'm not going to go mm. through all mine. i got quite a few as well. Quite a few similar ones. I'll pick out any ones we haven't had um, before. Um, Paige said, kind hearts and coronets, as did um, uh, somebody else somewhere. Oh, yeah? Somebody else said that, have yeah. You, did you <laughs> not have... Because like, oh yeah, it was Beck. It, it is a fucking great film, isn't it? Kind arts and cavities. Yeah, uh, love it. But yeah, that's like forty-five. Yeah, early. Yeah, um, Becca said the same thing. Becca from Do You Expect Us to Talk podcast. She also said League of Gentlemen's podcast. Uh, League of Gentlemen's podcast. League of Gentlemen's oh, yeah. Apocalypse. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Which the funny one that I love the TV show. I'm not sold on the film, but it might be just a bit ahead of its. You know what it was trying to do. Um, you know, usual ones. Italian job from Amy. Um, my best mate Matt said four weddings and a funeral, which is one you don't always get. Um, Clara said passport to Pimlico, whiskey galore oh. uh, as well. And um, bend it like Beckham is another one. Um, mm. Frida said the lady killers, and a private function. I'm not familiar with that one. Does anyone know that one? No, mm, don't think so. Yeah, I, I do know it. I think some of this, that's really, isn't that early 80s? 
I'm sure it is. It could be. I don't know. I'd have, I'd have to look it up. Um, Latham, said, Latham went for splitting hairs, which is a proper old... Eric Idle and Rick Moranis. I, I remember that one when I was a kid. And that reminded me of Nuns on the Run with uh, Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> I loved that when I was a kid. Um, time Bandits again. Brazil was... But we're wondering if that counts as a comedy. Mm, Very yeah. black comedy, I imagine. Well, I think it does. It... Yeah, it's just Terry Gilliam being Terry Gilliam, though, isn't it? Well, yeah. It's a bit weird. Um, That'll do for what um, what that lot have had to say. Um, <laughs> fucking listeners, eh? Yeah, Steve's, Steve's tired. <laughs> yeah. well, one, so, uh, one more, one almost. more, one more. Go I've, got, on, I've one got to more. say, I've got to mention, Sarah, who does the XCast podcast with me, said, love actually, and I've got to take exception to that. <laughs> no. <laughs> that film no, is evil. I'm, I'm, no, I'm with her. No, I like that actually. It's evil. At Christmas. Oh, no, dear. no, no, you're you're wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that is almost it for this week. Uh, just some recommendations for the week ahead. I'm going to recommend a couple of things actually. First of all, Stakeland, um, a really pretty decent kind of vampire zombie film, is on Netflix. Uh, or back on Netflix, and so its sequel is now on there as well, Stakeland 2, which I've not seen. Um, it's shit. That one is it? Um, yeah. Oh, Brooker, that, Brooker watched it recently on a binge of horror films and really liked it. The first one so. was excellent. Yeah, first mm. one was really good. Uh, also, that 13 Reasons Netflix show, um, I ended up catching, because my girlfriend binge-watched it in a day while I was at work, she watched the whole 13 episodes in a day, um, I caught the final episode and bits of the two before that, and it's actually really good. Um, so I would recommend that to people if they haven't seen it yet um, and they want a new Netflix show to get into. Give me 13 um, reasons why I should, Steve. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Were you, when you said that she watched the whole thing in a day, there was yeah. a slight hint of disdain there. <laughs> but, I mean, she's aware you watched all those Star Wars films in a day, right? No, she did. She doesn't know about that, mate. Wait till she checks your browser history and sees what you really been watching during the day. <laughs> not, for, not for thirteen hours. <laughs> it would be raw. It would just be a puff of sand after thirteen <laughs> hours. It'd just be like it's, it'd just be like a ghost, wouldn't it? <laughs> Casper um, just appears. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. Oh, what have you seen? <laughs> what have I seen? Or what am I recommending? <laughs> yeah, I've really well, well, you, you can have to see it if you're going to recommend it. Think about it. Not necessarily, well, because be... I'm recommending something via Matt Lamborn. He messaged me in oh, the week. Right. Yeah, he said uh, on Twitter, he sent me a message and said, um, "Don't know if you noticed, but the film I reviewed last year, Keanu." is on demand on Sky at the moment. Good for a bit of silliness if you're looking for something to watch. Right. And if you don't know what Keanu is, I've got his description. Isn't it about a talking cat? Uh, it's a film about a Dog? cute cat, uh, who cute kitten, I should say, who wears a bandana and a gold chain and is in the middle of an ownership dispute between a couple of regular guys and several gangs. Okay. There he, th- that was his recommendation. There you go. I'm going to start outsourcing all of my reviews to Matt Lambert. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you want, I can get, I can tell you Gascoigne, the documentary about Paul Gascoigne is on Netflix at the minute. Oh, and that's, Rescue that's, Dawn. That's very good, the Gascoigne one. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul? I'm going for a British sex comedy. Of course you are. Which... <laughs> <laughs> It involves hooks. Not quite, but it does. It is about the um, S and M scene. Uh, it's called Preaching to the Perverted. It's free to watch on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, trust me, sex comedies are notoriously fucking rubbish, but this is actually really good, really funny, and best of all, the lead character is called Tanya Cheeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Paul, Come on! Paul, do, you know what I've, do you know I've decided what Owen has to watch for the next movie yes. of the quiz? Right? No, but and it's it actually is, really good. No, no, it's not that. Oh, I'm going to make him watch the lowest rated on IMDb. Emmanuel no, that's a Turkish. Film. Oh, and it was only voted down because it was the, of p- p- political reasons. So don't do that. Well, no, he's going <laughs> to. <laughs> make him watch Preacher to the Perverted because he'll be really uncomfortable because there's lots of dirty sex things in it. Or or Emmanuel in space. Yep. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, Tony, what are you telling him people to watch? Um, Jason Bourne just cropped up on uh, Now TV. I, I, liked, I liked Jason Bourne more than he got credit for last year. It's exactly... Me and my girlfriend watched it and I said to her afterwards, what do you think? She went, well... It's, James Bourne, isn't it? Bourne film. And that's exactly the thing. It's a Bourne film. It's ex- I don't know why people were moaning. It is just the same thing. And if you if you don't like Bourne, then why would you w- watch it? It's just it's just bizarre to me. Really good, really solid, great action. Matt Damon's great. Yeah, check it out if you haven't. Well, Tony, what I'd advise is, if you did, now I know you have a girlfriend, is get her to watch the two films I've talked about tonight, and then you can find yourself <laughs> hanging from a ceiling having your bottom spanked. Well, ideally, I'd like to have a girlfriend the next day, so I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's all for this week's podcast. Uh, Me and Owen will be back next week with who, Owen? Uh, Yeah, me. (laughs) And we'll be talking about Alien Covenant. (laughs) Who else is doing it with us? I'm not telling you. (laughs) It's a secret. But I'm going to find out next Monday anyway. Well, you he might does have not got the by quiz then. five minutes before the show starts. Half an yeah. hour, yeah. I am, I'm not revealing it. It's withheld. Privileged information. Oh, he doesn't want to watch Emmanuel, does he? <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that is uh, all for this week's podcast. Thank you all for listening. Um, we're over at failedcritics.co.uk. We're all on Twitter and everything. No, uh, we're not. We're no. at failedcritics.com. .com. <laughs> How long have we been .com for? Oh, God. Five years. <laughs> no, we haven't. <laughs> we have never been .co.uk. We have. <laughs> the Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes. Created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 